This summer, we spent some time in town working on the house and some time visiting other churches. We spent some time traveling. We went to Redmond in eastern uh, Oregon. We went down and visited Crater Lake because I'd never been there and decided it was a necessity. We went out to Lincoln City and we went to eastern Washington and visited family. And while we were in eastern Washington, we were staying at my sister's house. There was me and my brother and my sister, a sort of adopted sister that, that was there with us. My parents were there and we're all staying in my sister's big ranch house. And the kids decided they wanted to sleep outside. And so we set up tents right in the backyard and put them out there and we went to bed and about three o'clock in the morning, a bomb went off. That's the only way I can describe it. There was this enormous boom. And I, I woke up and went, what was that? And suddenly somebody took my picture and there's this flash. And before the flash has even disappeared, there's a second boom. And I went, oh no! <laughs> it's thunder! Ah, the kids are outside. And so I jumped up and I apparently I missed the first boom. I don't know how I missed the first boom, but apparently I had. Because by the time I got out into the hallway, uh, my sister-in-law was there and she said, it's okay, we just got the kids inside. And I said, oh good. And just as I said, oh good, boom. And the whole thing, my, my sister lives in the Palouse uh, and there are rolling hills out there, and the, the, her house is on the top of a, a hill, and it just felt like the whole hill was shaking. And we're going, oh, we should probably bring the tents in. Yeah, and so we scramble to bring all the tents in, and, and we get it, everything in, and everybody is buttoned up and safe in the house, and we just watched as lightning is streaking across the sky, and everything is shaking with every boom, and you can just hear the storm as it moves from her house over to the neighbor's house, and then off into the distance. And the, as you're standing there and you're watching that, I've only had a couple of experiences like that, but you just cannot help but think, The power of God is here. And that is what this psalm is about. As we're looking at Psalm 29 today, uh, David uses this imagery of a thunderstorm. And so as I'm reading this uh, psalm, I I want you to picture what this storm is doing as it's out to sea and then as it makes its way in. Psalm 29, starting in verse 1. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness and the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forests bare, and in His temple all cry, Glory! The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. 
The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. When you get this kind of imagery and this kind of psalm, sometimes I feel like I can just read this and sit down. And we can all just glow in the glory of this text together. But unfortunately, I've taken too much time off, and so I'm ready to talk to you. And so, here we go. Verse 1, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe is not a word that I use every day. It's not something that I commonly uh, use as I'm out and I'm talking with people or with my children. I'm, I'm not ever telling them to ascribe anything. And probably that's to my detriment. It's a really great word. But this word ascribe means to give to. To give to. And so he's saying, ascribe to the Lord, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord glory and strength. That is, um, count it to Him. Credit it to Him. In a proactive sense, this is, this is talking about us putting God in the correct place in our minds. In the correct position. Because too often as we're walking through life, we get distracted by things and we forget that the Lord is the priority. We forget that the Lord is Lord over everything. We just forget. It's not like if somebody asked us, is the Lord Lord of everything? That we would suddenly say, you know, I don't remember. It's just that we get distracted. And so as we're trudging through the every day of life, we find ourselves just sort of putting other things in His place. And we give, uh, give, give that place of prominence to something else. So proactively, we're talking about ascribing to the Lord and putting Him right there in the forefront of our mind and going, you know, God is sovereign over this. God is sovereign over this. I am going to treat this situation as though God is Lord of all. And there is nothing He is not able to do. Reactively, it's to give credit to God. When something happens, we, re we react and we give credit and we assign. Sometimes we give cr credit and go, wow, that was really great. You deserve all the praise for that. And sometimes we blame and go, you know, I wouldn't have ended up here if it wasn't for you. And in doing that, we forget that God is Lord of all. How did you end up where you're at now? How did you get here? I, I don't mean physically sitting in this seat. I mean, in this stage of life with your current circumstances, how did you end up here? Well, my parents, if you knew my parents, you would understand why I ended up like this. We give a lot of credit and blame to parents. Did you know God is sovereign over your parents? Did you know, parents, that God is sovereign over your children? 
I have seen children whose parents were marvelous and I watched them turn away and go down this path that I go, what in the world are you doing? How could you have turned out like that with parents like those? I see other kids whose parents, let's just say they were less than optimal. And you watch them and somebody else comes along and takes them under their wing and treats them as their own child and mentors them and helps them and you see how they turn out. That's amazing. How did you turn out like that when you have parents like those? Oh, it's because of... No, it's because the Lord is sovereign over all. Give Him the credit. Put Him in the proper place. Ascribe to the Lord the glory and the strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Now, one of the things about this psalm that you should know is that in this psalm, David is contrasting God with all the other gods. All the gods out there that people hope in and people trust in. Specifically, he, he's sort of contrasting the Lord, Yahweh, with the Canaanite god, Baal. He's contrasting them. Baal was the, the god of the storms and the god of fertility. And he's contrasting that. And so when we have ascribed to the Lord, O heavenly beings... What we're getting here is um, ascribe to the Lord. Consider Him. Give Him the credit. All you false gods out there. We see this happen from time to time that, that God sets Himself up or one of His prophets set Him up against the other gods. And you, you get sort of this trash talking. And it's those of you who, who uh, play sports know what I'm talking about. That, that uh, you, you sort of go, uh, there's no way you can make that shot. That's not your shot. You can't make that shot from here. That's not your shot. Yep, see, I told you, you couldn't make that shot. Watch how it's done. Whew. Nothing but net. Nothing but, you want to see it again? I'll do it again. With my eyes closed this time. That's trash talking. And, and what I love about this is that we get God trash talking. You don't ever expect that. But we have this contrast between God and, the, uh, and these other gods. And, and we have this, this is not the first time that this happens. In Exodus 12, 12, it says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. That's some significant trash talk right there. All those gods that thought they were going to protect you, I'm going to just demonstrate that I am God. There is no other. Psalm 82. God has taken His place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, He holds judgment. Of all of the other false gods that are out there, there is only one and He reigns supreme over all of them. There is only one. And we, we may not be comfortable with this, right? We, we don't really 
find ourselves feeling like it's socially appropriate to mock other people's gods. And we get that because we are told that that we should respect that. We should respect them. We should respect their beliefs. They are entitled to their beliefs just as you are entitled to your beliefs. And the premise for that is that nobody knows what the truth is. And everybody's beliefs are just as valid as yours. And so you are not allowed to um, mock or belittle or, or look down upon anybody who uh, holds a different belief. Because their beliefs are just as valid as yours. And I want to challenge that premise this morning as I feel that David challenges that premise in this very psalm and say, but what if they aren't all as valid as one another? What if not all of the beliefs are the same? What if, what if it is like believing in fairies to believe in another god? Is the clap for Tinkerbell going to save you? No. And in fact, I would say that if we believe in a God who is not real, that those who mock us do it rather appropriately. If our hope is in something that is not real, then we ought to be pitied. For believing something false. And in this psalm, we have this contrast where we have David mocking Baal and contrasting him with the Lord and the power of the Lord. And this isn't the first time that we've seen this. In 1 Kings chapter 18, we see this happen with, with Elijah. And it says in uh, 1 Kings 18 verse 20, So Ahab sent all the people of Israel... And gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and he said, How long will you go limping between two different options? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, He is God. And all the people answered, It is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose, yourself, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given to them, and they prepared it, and they called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O oh, Baal, answer us! But there was no voice. No one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he's musing, or he's relieving himself, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. 
And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bowl in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And and then he said, do it a second time. And they did did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And water ran down the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. And Elijah said to Ahab, go, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of rushing rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and he looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, behold, A little cloud like a man's hand is rising up from the sea. And he said, go and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. We we have had a, a drought There has been no rain. And here, the God of the storms, Baal, is not bringing any rain. And the prophets are crying out to him. And Elijah says, look, there's only one God. Let's have a little challenge. There's 450 of you and there's one of me. Let's see whose God is greater. And the prophets of Baal call and call and call and there is no voice. There is no answer. There's no response. And Elijah mocks them and teases them. Well, maybe he's just not paying attention. Shout louder. Maybe Baal went on a journey and he's just not nearby. Maybe he's over relieving himself and can't, be, can't come to help you. 
Sorry. That one gets me every time. (laughs) And then Elijah calls, and the fire of God comes down from heaven and consumes the whole thing. And he prays, and it begins to rain. And you see the clouds form out over the Mediterranean Sea and begin to come in toward Mount Carmel and then it's going to go over the whole land of Israel and up north through the part of Israel that belongs to Dan and into Lebanon and Syria and it's going to begin to water this ground because he has prayed and the Lord has responded. And that's what we have happening in Psalm 29. Is again... David saying, ascribe to the Lord all you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord the glory and honor and strength do His name. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The the God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Now, if you remember last week in in Psalm 28, what what was the, the challenge there? There was a silence. Right? David was struggling in, in last week in Psalm 28 with the, with the silence of God, the deafness of God. And he's going, don't be deaf, don't be mute. Hear my prayer and respond to me. And this week in Psalm 29, in great contrast to that, he's saying, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord goes out. It thunders over the waters. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. And as you're picturing the Lord hovering over the waters with His voice, you can't help but be brought back to the imagery in Genesis where the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters and by His voice He brought into being everything. And He called into being the lands and He called into being the light and He called into being the fish and the birds and the animals and man Himself. Because the voice of the Lord is powerful. And so in comes this storm. The thundering of the voice of God. The majesty of God being brought in so that in verse 5 we have the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. Now the cedars of Lebanon were, were um, renowned. They were renowned. Over and over again, you see, see this in the Scriptures, them referring to the cedars of Lebanon for their strength, for their massive size. In fact, if you wanted to build something in Israel, you you have to remember, we're from the Pacific Northwest, and we know trees, right? Uh, When when I went out to eastern Washington for the first time, I went, there are no trees here. And somebody that was from the Palouse says to me, yes, there are. Look. And I looked at it, but I looked at the trees and said, are you kidding me? That doesn't count. It's a maple. And there's three of them. That's not trees. Come, come, come over here. Let me show you trees. And you see the forests 
of trees, right? Now, if you're in Israel, you have some scrub bushes, but you don't build anything out of trees. You build it out of rock. You build it out of clay, out of stone, because you don't have trees for beams. But up in Lebanon, they have the cedars of Lebanon. And the cedars of Lebanon could grow huge, massive trees, eight feet in diameter and 130 feet tall. That's huge. They can grow to be a thousand years old. Even today, on the flag of Lebanon, the Lebanese flag has a cedar on it. It's a symbol of immortality and strength. And so when, when he's referring to the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars, the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon, and he's referring to these people who are trusting in Baal and the storm god, and they have their cedars that are so strong, and it talks about the storm that comes, and it just rips these things apart. Just cracks them and twists them and splinters them. These massive cedar trees. He goes, that, that's no match. That's not strength. That's not immortality. The voice of the Lord just whoosh, comes through. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. In, in that, the area of Lebanon and Syria to the north of Israel, we have mountains. They, they don't really have mountains in Israel. They have tells. They're, they're large hills. But around here, we would look at them and go, it's not, that's not really a mountain. You call it a mountain. It's a big hill. I can walk to the top in an hour. That doesn't count. But in Lebanon and in Syria, they have these massive mountains that, that were, again, the symbol of strength and security. And here it says, the voice of the Lord causes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. Have you seen a, a calf skip? Maybe not in real life, but on, on like a, a video or something. You, you see those, those calves that, that they're, they're fairly new and they sort of do this. I, I'm going to refrain from showing you what it looks like. At, but, but they sort of do this hopping skip, Right. And, and he's talking about the mountains skipping like that. Hopping and frolicking about, playing with one another. Running around and headbutting each other. Because they're silly like, like little calves. This, this symbol of strength and power is, is now this calf that's bouncing around because the voice of the Lord shakes it like an earthquake. Like I was woken from my bed when I was in eastern Washington on the top of a hill and everything around me shook because the thunder boomed right over the top of us. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire as the lightning strikes and splits and lights up the sky. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. And you can see it moving on through. And now we're into some wild land. And even out there, the, the storm can be terrifying and terrible. 
The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forests bare. And in all and in his temple, all cry glory. Now, as, as we get this, you, you sort of go, whoops, hang on. What's with, the, with, with this deer suddenly? Right? We have the power of God ripping through and tearing apart the trees and the mountains and all of this stuff. And the deer give birth. And, and it, it's one of two things. Either this is a reference to Baal and uh, being the fertility god. And again, just sort of giving this little jab in the side. Oh yeah, oh, by the way, Baal doesn't actually make the deer give birth or uh, provide fertility. It's God that does that. It, it's either that or, or the, the word for deer and oaks in uh, Hebrew are really similar and, and it might be that he makes the oaks shake, which I think fits this context a little bit better, actually. The voice of the Lord makes the oak shake and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry glory. The power of the Lord comes through. And as you step back and you just watch the storm, you're not actually seeing, I'll remind you, you're not actually seeing the power and majesty of God. You're merely watching a natural phenomenon of a thunderstorm. And you can't help but stand and look in awe and go, wow, the power of the Lord. The power of the Lord. In Exodus 15, verse 11, it says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? We have this whole psalm as this contrast between the Lord and all the other gods, and we just are left with the question, Who else is like Him? Who else is like Him? Who has that kind of authority? Who has that kind of power and strength? None can compete with Him. Not even in the same class. But if this psalm mocks all those other gods and terrifies those who trust in them, what does it mean for us? Verse 10, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. There is a God. One true God. And for those who ascribe to him the glory due his name, for those who put him in the proper place, there is strength and peace. Because we recognize that for all of the tumult that's happening around us, for as uncertain as our lives seem, God is sovereign, God is powerful, God is with us. We need not fear. There is only one God. And He is powerful over these things.
We know that he's powerful over these things because we see this in Mark chapter 4. After leaving the crowd, Jesus is out with his disciples. He's been teaching. And after leaving the crowd, it says in Mark 4 verse 36, they took him with them in their boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus Jesus came and was teaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God. He was saying, listen, repent and turn back to God. Turn to the Lord and trust in Him, for your security is in Him alone. And even though this was His message, look, I have come to bring you peace, I have come to bring you the security that comes from God alone, the people didn't understand that. Even His closest disciples didn't get who Jesus was and what He was doing, even though He was telling them every day, trust Me, because I am bringing the peace of God. So when they are out on the boat and a storm comes up and the waves start breaking over the side of the boat and the boat is doing like this, and Jesus is asleep. He's not too concerned about the storm. He doesn't care that there's thunder going on over his head at three o'clock in the morning. He doesn't care about the booms or the waves. Or it. He's fine. The Lord is sovereign overall. I think I'll take a nap. And the disciples come and shake him and go, Don't you care? Don't you care? Guys, I, I think you misunderstand. It's not that I don't care, I'm just not concerned. There's a difference there. There are some times when we're walking through life and there's lots of situations going on and everything is crazy and we just go, You know what? I can't care. I don't have the energy in me to care. Say, lovey. It's life. Let whatever be, be, because I just can't care. And there are other times when, in those same circumstances, we say, you know, these circumstances are threatening to ruin me. But I have a God who is sovereign over these circumstances. It's not that I don't care. It's just that I'm not concerned. Because I know where my hope is. I know where my strength is. I know where my peace comes from. And when Jesus stands up, He rebukes the sea and He says, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And his disciples were going, who is this? Who is this? 
He's the one that has been trying to tell you, I am the Savior. Come to rescue you. I am your hope. I am your salvation. I am God as man come to save you. And He demonstrates who He is by His voice having power over creation. This time not bringing the storm, but calming the storm. Because the voice of the Lord can cause us great concern. The voice of the Lord it can bring judgment, but Jesus is the hope and the peace and the strength in that. And it's confirmed for us in Revelation chapter 4. After this I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit and behold a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes all around and within, and day and night never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before Him who is seated on the throne, and they worship Him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are You, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For You created all things, and by Your will they existed and were created." And that is where we will end up. That though the voice of the Lord rumbles and has lightning and, and thunder, the sea of glass, the peace that is there for His people who ascribe to Him the proper place, giving Him the glory and praise due His name and now reside with strength and peace because He is with them. And so it is my encouragement to you this morning that we give to God the credit that He's due, that we proactively put Him in the correct place and afterwards acknowledge by giving Him the credit. May the Lord give strength to His people. May the Lord bless His people with peace. Let's rejoice in the God of power and majesty by giving Him the praise to His name. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, 
we can behold only but a glimpse of your power. And when we see it, we are in awe of you. We recognize that though we think we are strong, though we think we are in control of our circumstances or that we ended up here because of someone else, yet we recognize that you are Lord of all, sovereign over all of creation and every circumstance. And so, Lord, I pray that the people here this morning would come to you first. When their heart is disquieted, that they would find peace by coming to you. Father, may we call to you. May we give you the proper place in our minds. And may you bless your people with strength and peace. And we ask for this in the name of Jesus, who is both our Lord and our Savior. Amen.